In 2010, West Virginia University shocked the country with a Big East Tournament Championship and a Final Four run. This is the Final Forecast, 10 years later special. A series dedicated to honoring one of the greatest basketball teams in Mountaineer basketball history. Now, over to our host, Jeff Coyle. Welcome back to the Final Forecast 10-Year Special, a series dedicated to honoring one of the greatest teams in Mountaineer basketball history. This is Episode 3. 10 Years Later is brought to you exclusively by the Book Exchange, where Mountaineers go since 1934. Choose from the largest selection of Mountaineer gear in the state of West Virginia, with thousands of styles from brand favorites Nike, Champion, Columbia, and more. Shop at either Morgantown location, downtown at 152 Willie Street, or Evansdale at 342 Pattison Drive, or purchase online at bookexchangewv.com. Hello again, Mountaineer fans. I'm Jeff Coyle, and I was one of the reporters at the time who traveled with the team during the Big East Tournament and Final Four runs. When we left off in our second episode, the Mountaineers had just been upset 73-62 to by Connecticut on the road. In the post-game locker room, head coach Bob Huggins had a heart-to-heart with his squad. He clearly saw that if he didn't step in, things may start to take a turn for the worse. It was becoming clear that this team was inconsistent at the exact time of the year when the strongest teams he'd ever coached would be building even stronger. For Huggins, this was personal. He was born in Morgantown. He played point guard for the Mountaineers from 1975 to 1977. His roots run deep through the West Virginia hills and hollows. To motivate his team, he dug deep and spoke about how much the Mountaineers mean to the Mountain State. Many states don't really have a bond at all with their largest state school. West Virginia is different in that way, as all of us know. But sometimes... That passion isn't immediately injected into the players who wear the West Virginia name on their jersey if they haven't lived in the state for very long. On that night, Huggins gave them a lesson on West Virginia. As the Mountaineers stepped out of that locker room that evening, they evolved. They were strikingly different for the rest of the season. Now, they were playing for all 1.8 million West Virginians. Sophomore forward Kevin Jones. Of course, when you first come here, you don't really understand it. I mean, I kind of got a good idea of it when I came on my recruiting visit, but you don't really know until you're in it um, how much uh, support you get from uh, from the fans and everybody around just wants to see you do good and how passionate they are about WVU sports. And man, it was always a big thing for us to to go out and play for them because uh, to us, we we were their professional team, so we didn't want to let them down. We just always wanted to go out and put our best foot forward. And, uh, you know, some some nights we didn't have it, but I think they always appreciated how hard we worked. And I think in that game that, uh, that you alluded to, the UConn game, maybe we weren't working as hard as, as we could have or as we usually did during that season. And I think that's what got them so mad is because we were – you know, we were playing at a certain level and we dropped that level for that game for whatever reason. And um, yeah, it, it, I, we knew it mean, it meant a lot to, um, to the state of West Virginia for us to come out and play well and, and do our best. So we always carried that pride 
And um, even still to this day, outside of, you know, graduating and everything, we still carry that pride of our of our university and other people can see it and, and how we rep it as well when we go other places. So it's, it's just it's something that, you know, it never leaves you. Junior guard Joe Mazzula. One of the things that uh, Hugs, you know, really communicated with us, I thought the biggest strength of that team was we took on the personality of the people of West Virginia. And I remember losing to... Uh, losing to UConn at UConn and that was the last loss before we lost to Duke and Hugs gets ejected and he's waiting in the locker room and he gives this riveting post-game speech which I think was the the introduction of our highlight video that year the following year and you know he was in tears and he was just talking about why he came back to West Virginia and how important it is to the people and and how important a team from West Virginia should um you know should be like the, the, the fans of blue collar and have an appreciation and grit and toughness. So, you know, he had all those things. And, and I think we adopted that. Um, and I thought that was the biggest strength of our team. It wasn't just that pride and purpose that changed for West Virginia. They seemed to toughen and strengthen as a team. It wasn't necessarily noticeable in the stat sheets. The Mountaineers still continued to win most of the rebound battles and turn teams over because of their length. But it was the grit and the effort that improved. Freshman forward Dennis Kalichla. Now something like that happens to you in pro life, it's more pressure on you. You know, you for a couple hours you feel great and then you go, oh shit, I gotta... I got to keep this. But when you're 20 and you're a gang, we always looked at each other like kind of like a gang. We were like the bad boys, you know, because uh, we were tougher than everybody. We had Huggins as a leader. So he were, uh, we knew he was tougher than any other coach. So, you know, we were kind of like um, we would go on a away game, you know, we would be like a, like a gang, you know, you know, we'll smell the blood and then we win whatever happened it doesn't matter something happened to somebody somebody got hurt or whatever we would just go out there and find uh some way to win and also when we went outside we were the same way when we went outside we did everything together we always got each other's back and we had fun back in morgantown the mountaineers defeated cincinnati by six points at the coliseum it was the opposite of easy, but again, this team was playing tougher. They fell behind by 13 points with about three minutes left to play in the first half, and Huggins made wholesale changes at the end of the half to bring in Truck Bryant, John Flowers, Dennis Kalichla, Cam Thurman, and Devin Ebanks. That lineup went on a 9 to nothing run to get WVU back within six points at the break. It was a small victory, and the momentum that the team would need to continue to mount a comeback in the second half. The Mountaineers eventually clawed their way into the lead after the break, and with about 10 minutes to play, they found a way to stay ahead. They out-rebounded Cincinnati by 11 and made their free throws down the stretch. It was a gutsy win. Ebanks had 12 and 10, Kevin Jones led the team with 15 points, and Thurman added a crucial 7 points in just 11 minutes on the court. That same day as the Mountaineers win over the Bearcats, Syracuse defeated Villanova at the Carrier Dome to earn the Big East regular season title. So with that out of reach, West Virginia went into those final two games of the regular season, each against ranked foes, with a point to prove. That point? Do not forget 
about the Mountaineers. On March 1st, number 19 Georgetown ventured to the Coliseum. WVU had fallen to number 10 in the polls following the previous week's games and that loss to UConn. Georgetown had the talent to give West Virginia issues with Greg Monroe and Chris Wright, and despite just a 9-7 conference record, the Hoyas had already defeated Duke, Pitt, and Villanova. It was senior night, the final game at the Coliseum for Wellington Smith and Deshaun Butler. Big Monday, a top 25 showdown in Morgantown in March. Not much more you could ask for as a basketball player, a coach, or even a fan of the Mountaineers on that night. After wrapping up an emotional pregame ceremony for senior night, WVU decided to just skip right over the slow start. The Mountaineers took a 22-point lead in the first half and headed into the locker room up 43-29. to They led by 27 points with more than 16 minutes left. Georgetown attempted to mount a comeback and even got within 11 points, but Butler, Ebanks, and Jones made sure the Mountaineers would not lose their final home game of the season. WVU nearly doubled Georgetown's tally of made free throws and forced 20 Hoya turnovers. With 30 seconds to go, Butler came out of the game with 23 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and a well-deserved standing ovation from a fan base that had just witnessed one of its all-time greats play his last game at the Coliseum. Butler goes up. Final home game, one of the great careers in West Virginia history. 23 points for Butler tonight. He has delivered throughout his career a great deal of affection. Johnny West and Joe Mazzulla telling me before the game, he's one of their guys. He... Those guys as well as it was a perfect night to be a Mountaineer. WVU earned a double bye in the Big East tournament with that win, and that meant that the final game of the regular season against number nine Villanova was for NCAA tournament resumes only, because the Wildcats had already also earned a double bye. And maybe it didn't matter in terms of the number of games the two teams would play, but this game did still play significantly into the seeding for the Big East tournament. Villanova, Pitt, and West Virginia were playing for seeds two through four in the final games of the regular season. A WVU win would secure at least the three seed. If the Mountaineers won and Pitt lost, they'd earn the two seed, lose, and WVU would drop to four. And maybe most importantly, it was a matchup of top 10 teams, number nine versus number 10, in the best college basketball conference that season. It was... Well, let's be honest, it was the worst start of the season for WVU. In fact, it took seven minutes for the Mountaineers to score their first bucket. Huggins said after the game he wasn't sure his team could play any worse. They trailed by 13 at halftime after shooting just 6 of 25 from the field. In the second half, West Virginia went on an 18-5 run to tie the game at 34. Back-to-back threes from Wellington Smith later on gave the Mountaineers their first lead at 51-50. And with 13 seconds left in the game, Villanova's Corey Fisher hit a three-pointer to tie it up. With that much time left, you'd think the Mountaineers would have a chance to win it. But in a lapse of judgment, Ebanks thought WVU was already leading by one. 
And by the time he realized it was a tie game, well, all he had left to do was throw up a last second long distance prayer and it did not find the target. So away to overtime we go. In the first overtime, West Virginia was able to take a three-point lead. Villanova's Corey Stokes hit a three-pointer with 35 seconds left. And after a timeout, well, it was time for Butler to shine. With six seconds left, he hit a runner to put the Mountaineers up by two. After another timeout, Scotty Reynolds, who was just one of eight from outside the arc up to that point, got a clear chance at a three-pointer to win, but it was off the mark. WVU escaped Philly with a win. Butler finished with 21 points, 13 of those coming from the free throw line, and he had 10 rebounds as well. Wellington Smith had 15 points. It was a signature win, and it was something this team really needed. Head coach Bob Huggins. I think back about the Villanova game, and we, we, were, what did we, we scored maybe 17 or 18 points in the first half. And, and we're down, and, and I go in, and they're, like, looking like, oh, no, here it comes, you know. And I just said, well, we got that out of our system. We can't play any worse. I mean, there's no possible way that offensively we can play any worse. And I, I think we had, we had 17, 18 points, and I think uh, Dalton Pepper had, like, six of them, and, and he, you know, he didn't play very much. And so let's just go do what we do, man. You know, we get in trouble when we don't do what we do. You know, we're – we're really good at passing the ball. You know, we're really good playing as a team. We're not very good when we try to be individuals. And and then we, you know, we changed. We played a little one-three-one. We, you know, we changed up some things to try to uh, get Villanova a little bit kind of off stride. And we come back and won that game. And I think that that game and the confidence from that game that we could overcome. It was West Virginia's 13th conference victory, the most it had ever had in one season in the Big East. In the end, West Virginia would receive the number three seed in the Big East tournament. Little did they know at the time just how great that would be. Senior forward Wellington Smith. We had something to prove to Nova. I think we, we beat Nova at West Virginia um, that, that, that year too. But it was just something about that game, right? That first half, we just couldn't make a basket. Right. And we knew that if we were able to put together some great defensive plays, like, like we've, we were known to do, um, and, and a, and a great, uh, and actually, you know, put the ball in Deshaun's hands and, uh, and have him do some things that are, that are spectacular that we would come out and try to, and, and win that game. And then moving forward to, uh, to after the season, uh, or not, well, at least after that game, uh, we're just on a high knowing that anything is possible. We always have something to prove. And it was it was something that uh, I just really wanted to beat Villanova too, at Villanova in that arena. It was just an awesome experience. Sophomore guard Truck Bryant. Oh no, we was hot. We was we was hot. We was just in a, a winning stage. Uh, to be honest though, that, obviously we was focused, but it was the staff, like the coaching staff. They 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 kept us focused. It's it's a lot of personalities. Up a ton of personalities on that team so that's like one of the i don't know it was a weird team but it, but we was all anytime that ball tipped up we was like this we was we was one west virginia went into the conference tournament ranked number seven in the nation the mountaineers were clearly riding high on the way to new york city and this team knew a lot about the big apple the roster was full of players who came from near the city truck bryant was from brooklyn 
Devin Ebanks from Long Island City. Dan Jennings was from Staten Island. Kevin Jones was from Mount Vernon. Deshaun Butler was from nearby Newark, New Jersey. And Wellington Smith was from Summit, New Jersey. West Virginia was heading to New York, yes. But many of these Mountaineers were heading home. Uh, Well, for me, and at that time, we had a lot of New York, New Jersey guys. So for us, it was definitely special to be back in that area. I mean, all of our, the whole starting five was New York, New Jersey. So um, to be back in that area was definitely special for us. And I just, one of the moments I remember always is us coming out to um, to Biggie Smalls. I can't remember the name of the song. Uh, but it was, man, it was just crazy. And just to have your, your name introduced, uh, during that championship game against Georgetown, um, these are moments that I'll always cherish. And it doesn't have, it doesn't mean like as much just because we were playing for something. It just, the fact of being on that court was, uh, was motivation enough for me, at least. Biggie, 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 can't you? It was that song, but I can't remember the name of it. Hypnotize, hypnotize, yep. Of course, it wasn't that way for everyone. For me, I, I used to get up five in the morning in Turkey and watch all-star games and, you know, um, boxing matches, concerts, and, and it was all in Madison Square Garden. For me, it was surreal. I couldn't believe it. I was keep going to, going to the truck and be like, truck, is this real, dude? You know, is this real, man? Am I at Madison Gardens, Madison Square Garden? Like, is this for real? And he's like, dude, it's for real. Come on, chill, you know? It was, it was, the the lighting is also different there, you know? It's, it's, I don't know, it's like a little bit more, it's different than any other uh, court that I played on. So, like, when you go there, you feel different than anywhere else. I mean, and anybody can tell you that, um, like any basketball player, you ask them, they'll tell you the same thing if they played in Madison Square Garden. It's surreal. And I, that feeling, that like uh, jittery feeling, that um, excitement never went away. Prior to the team leaving for New York, the Mountaineers had perhaps their worst practice of the season. Huggins kicked the entire team out. There was a lot of times that year where Hugs had to do a good job of snapping us out of, you know, these funks that we were in for whatever reason. I think some of it was we talk about the UConn game and we talk about the Purdue game of like, all right, you know, we're not playing with this joy or this competitive nature. And then some of it was like, all right, we're just waiting for the we're waiting for the Big East tournament. We're waiting for the NCAA tournament, like kind of going through the monotony of the regular season. But the, the, the practice we left. The practice the day we left for the Big East tournament was one of our worst practices of the year. And it goes back to, we were just out there just to be out there. And we weren't competing with a purpose. So they get to the city that never sleeps, thinking they're going to play Louisville, the sixth seed in the tournament. But 11 seed Cincinnati pulled off the upset on the second day of the tournament, beating the Cardinals by three. We get to New York City. We had prepared for to play Louisville because we thought they were going to beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati beats them. So then we have to put in the whole scout for Cincinnati that night. Um, you know, so I remember everybody kind of being on eggshells that we are playing Cincinnati, that uh, we hadn't prepared for them the way we were prepared for Louisville. So we had to go through that uh, change. And you know, I think we were just, I think at that point, you know, 
Hugs had to reset our minds again after putting in that scout. And then we made a commitment to each other that we really felt like we could win and we we're going to do whatever it takes to try and win it. Um, but it didn't come with, I would say, like great momentum as much as it came with Hugs constantly redirecting our purpose as a team, reminding us how the opportunity that we have, and then us trying to, you know, take advantage of that. So instead, the Mountaineers would take on the Bearcats, a team they had just barely beaten a few weeks earlier. It was a tricky start to the tournament for Huggins against his former team. With President Bill Clinton and Denzel Washington among those in attendance at the world's most famous arena, the Mountaineers started fast, jumping out to a 14-point lead within the first 10 minutes. It looked like they were going to cruise to victory at that point, but the Bearcats battled all the way back to go into the half down by just three. The only thing about the Cincinnati game to remember is the 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 fight that we got into at halftime. I think people talked about that a little bit. No one else brought this up? Oh my God. There was just a, there was a disagreement amongst the team at halftime about the way things that were going. Halftime <laughs> um, half of, half of the Cincinnati game, things aren't going away. And I think Hugs used another one of his opportunities to reset us. And things got a little heated in the locker room between him and the team. And, we use that as fuel to come back and and win. I mean, there weren't punches thrown, but it got pretty relatively heated. It was one player, one coach, <laughs> and Hug took it upon himself, took the opportunity to light a fire under under him. It was me. He lit a fire under me. There was a disagreement. He made a comment. We started arguing with each other. Got pretty loud. Uh, you know, and it was his way of motivating the team, another tactic that he used to get us to snap out of the funks that we would find ourselves in throughout the season. People were holding him back. People were holding me back. We'd get through it. We'd come out and win the biggest championship. In the second half, it was a back-and-forth battle, as most games between these teams tended to be. With just over three minutes left and WVU up by five, Deontay Vaughn drained a corner three to cut it to a one-possession game. Less than a minute later, the Bearcats tied it at 47. Jones hit a jumper, and after a free throw from Cincinnati, Butler somehow found KJ wide open for a layup that would give them a three-point lead with just over a minute left. Lance Stevenson once again would knock down a three with 42 seconds to go, tying it up again. With under 10 seconds left, Ebanks took the ball, dribbled inside the arc, put up a contested shot, and missed. The shot clock expired, and Cincinnati, trailing the entire game, had a chance to win with six seconds left. After a timeout, WVU came out with significant pressure on the inbound play. Cincinnati got the pass in to guard Deion Dixon, who was coming back toward his own basket. He turned up the court, took a few dribbles toward the sideline, and Butler slapped the ball out of his hands. It hit off of Dixon's legs and went out of bounds right by the WVU bench. West Virginia ball. With just three seconds left, it was no surprise who was going to get the pass. Butler West Flowers, Bryant and Ebanks, the five some with Ebanks to play it in. And nobody on the ball. Yeah, Gates not up there. They get it into Butler for the win. Virginia wins. 
Butler with Lance Stevenson in his face rose up above the rest and banked it home for the win. The Mountaineers moved on to play another night in MSG. Junior forward John Flowers. Well, first of all, I set Deshaun up to get the ball when I got the steal from Lance. So he never thanked me about that, but you're welcome, Day. So I, I <laughs> we did that. We called a timeout. Hugs drew up a play for Deshaun. And he, he wanted the ball, you know what I mean? Like, And once he got it, we knew that, you know, he wasn't going to pass it. And that's good, though. Like, that's what we needed. And he had that mentality that this, this, the game's over. Like, we're going we're gonna to kill him. Me, personally, I would have drove the ball. It's a tie game. But he shot it, and it banked in. I was under the rim in case he missed it, that I was going to get that rebound. So it could have been, again, it could have been my game winner. But uh, Deshaun did a great job. Senior forward Deshaun Butler. Before the uh, play, like me and him were just jawing back and forth. He's somebody I like absolutely like loved playing against when once he got into college. Like so talented, great player. I watched him when I was in high school a ton because you know the, when you watch the best freshmen in <laughs> in high school play against like LJ Mayo and all these guys, like you're there to watch those games. So like playing against him was a lot of fun and. Uh, He's like one of those guys that he just like loves to talk regardless of what the situation is. Like he doesn't care. Like he's gonna say what he wants to say. Yeah, you know, he's gonna do whatever. Like so <laughs> I was just glad he didn't do that. That would have been weird. But um <laughs> but uh yeah, he was just talking back and forth and I mean shit happens, you know. <laughs> it's just a, it was a good shot. The shot went in and it was a great moment. Jones had a team high seventeen points. Butler added 15. All five starters for WVU had at least five rebounds. It was a team effort, but it was Butler's shot that everyone remembers. And I was just glad that I can have that moment in that gym with those guys on my team, my family in the crowd. Just that whole experience, you know, I'm like a big Knicks fan. It's like we're in the garden. It's like I couldn't have done it any differently. Like or change it any any which way possible. Like it was a great moment. Well, we almost lost we almost lost the Cincinnati game. And we we screwed it up. And there's a timeout. The only thing I'm thinking is make the guy dribble it left handed. You know? And obviously we 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 did a great job of making him go left and he dribbled it off his leg and, and so we got another chance. That ended one of the craziest days in Biggie's tournament history. Top seed Syracuse lost 91 to 84 to Georgetown. Two seed Pitt lost 50 to 45 to Notre Dame. And four seed Villanova lost 80 to 76 to Marquette. West Virginia was now the highest seed left in the tournament. And in less than 24 hours, they were going to play seventh seed Notre Dame in the semifinals. WVU had already lost to the Fighting Irish once this season, a two point defeat on the road. This time, though, they were on neutral turf. Mike Bray's team was about to play its third game in three nights, and they tended to rely very heavily on their five starters. Only two bench players averaged more than 10 minutes per game. West Virginia grabbed a nine-point lead on a three from Butler with about 12 minutes left, but with less than four minutes to play, guard Ben Hansborough hit a three-pointer to cut the lead to just three points. Notre Dame brought it within one before a Joe Missoula layup returned the Mountaineers' three-point edge. With less than 15 seconds to play, WVU was up by two and had the ball. 
Butler missed a contested three-pointer, and then Luke Herringote pulled down the rebound. So Notre Dame had a chance to win it in the final seconds. Rebound. No timeouts for Notre Dame. Eight seconds to go, two to tie, three for the win. Jackson for the lead, short, Herringote, Nash, stripped. West Virginia ball. Senior guard Tory Jackson missed an open look at three, which would have won it. Then Wellington Smith stripped Tyrone Nash and secured the ball as the clock expired. The Mountaineers were heading to the Big East title game. Butler carried West Virginia with nearly half of the team's total points. He finished with 24. Jones had another 10. Only five Mountaineers scored at all against the Fighting Irish. I decided to just go over to this, the students that were their section. You know, they had a section right by the bench where all their fans were and stuff. And the the leprechaun, I just hate that leprechaun, you know what I mean? I think we lost up there that year because they're in Indiana. And we lost to them. And I remember the leprechaun was just dancing, and he was doing the same thing to us. The whole, he was rubbing it in our face the whole time that we were up there. So after the game, I immediately ran over there. I tried to grab, like, Johnny or, and Joe or something. They didn't want to come with me. But, uh, yeah, it would have been better if we all would have did the dance together, right? Like a line dance, yeah. like a line leprechaun dance. Nobody else knew nah, no one else knows how to Irish jig like me. But uh, that was a great – so, I was so happy that they got it on camera and they put it on ESPN. It was, it was amazing, actually. That victory set up another matchup with Georgetown. The eight seed had upset five seed Marquette convincingly, 80 to 57. And that was important for the Hoyas, who would be playing their fourth straight game in as many days in the next day's championship round. So the matchup was set. The world was watching. Could West Virginia win its first ever Big East tournament? Let's take you back to pregame. And now here's the starting lineup for the Mountaineers of West Virginia. At forward, a 6'9 sophomore from Long Island City, New York. Number three, Devin Ebanks. At forward, a 6'8 sophomore from Mount Vernon, New York. Number five, Kevin Jones. At forward, a 6'7 senior from Summit, New Jersey. Number 35, Wellington Smith. At guard, a 6'2 sophomore from Brooklyn, New York. Number 25, Daryl Bryant. And at guard, a 6'7 senior from Newark, New Jersey, number one, Deshaun Butler. The head coach of the Mountaineers is Bob Huggins. Ebex, Jones, Smith, Bryant, and Butler. They were from the area. This was their home. This was their moment. West Virginia led most of the way, especially in the second half. In the final minute, down by three, 
Austin Freeman hit a right side three-pointer to tie the game at 56. On the Mountaineers' next possession after a timeout, they got the ball to Butler in the corner, but he missed a contested three. The ball rebounded awkwardly off the rim and back to Butler, who passed it out to Missoula in the backcourt. With the shot clock off and the ball in Missoula's hands, Georgetown's Chris Wright made an unthinkable mistake. He fouled Missoula in the backcourt with 27 seconds left. Missoula made the two free throws to go up 58-56. to Now, coming into the game, Missoula was shooting less than 50% at the free throw line. Remember, he was recovering from shoulder surgery that forced him to shoot with his off hand. But he was 6 of 6 in this game. At the other end, Wright tied it up at 58 with a layup. So here we were, 17 seconds left, everything on the line. The Mountaineers moved the ball across midcourt, and with 9 seconds left, Huggins called a timeout. During that timeout, a chant of Let's Go Mountaineers rained down on the team. Madison Square Garden was ready. After the timeout, Butler did it again. West Virginia hasn't had a field goal in seven minutes, 16 seconds. All their eight points, the most recent eight from the line. And nobody on the ball again. Ebanks inbounds it to Butler. Butler into the lane, into traffic. It goes again. Butler ended a seven-minute scoring drought from the field with this game winner. He grabbed the ball from Ebanks on the inbounds pass, dribbled toward the middle of the court, went into the contested lane, threw up a prayer, and the basketball gods answered. Assistant coach Larry Harrison. And, and I remember in the, in the Big East tournament um, uh, against, um, against Georgetown, and um, we had the ball on the side, and we would come out with timeout. And we'd run in the same play that we ran, you know, the night before. You know, we, Deshaun was going to get the ball, and he was going to, you know, make a play. And um, the coach was, you know, telling everybody what to do and where to go and all that. And then we broke the huddle. And I don't know if Deshaun remembers this, but we broke the huddle, and I grabbed him. And I said, don't pass that ball. You know, and he looked at me, he said, I got you, coach, I got you. And he went in and he made a shot against uh, Georgetown. But it was just a moment where if we was going to lose, it was going to be because he missed a shot. It, it's crazy because, um, like, we never, there was never any discussion about who was going to get the ball. Like, we all knew it was going to go to Deshaun. We just uh, tried to figure out, the uh, coach tried to figure out the best way to, to get it to him and uh, let him handle the rest, which he did. And um, I don't think any of us didn't have faith that he would come through. And it was just like, I know that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. So that just makes what he did even more impressive because he had that pressure on him and our faith in him all those times and more times than not, like we said, he de he delivered. With four seconds to go, right dribbled down the court and into the lane himself. And few remember how critical this moment was. Georgetown could have sent the game to overtime. Kalichla, in the game for his offense, shifted Wright away from his clear path to the bucket. Then Jones kept Wright off balance enough for the scoop shot to fall short. Yo, you want to know something so funny? As I look back, I'm like, yo, I could have blew the game for us because <laughs> uh, Chris Wright definitely came down and got like a good like dipsy do shot off. And, and I don't know if it looks like my hand may have touched the ball, but like my hand didn't touch it. He just came up short with it so I was like man I was like a few seconds away from like blowing the game for everybody but you know uh it didn't happen so 
and now we are where we are. But in my in my mind, I'm, I my the game was over in my mind. The, <laughs> once he hit that shot, it was just like they got it out so quick. It, it was like one of those moments, like oh yeah, yep, he made the shot, and then you're like oh snap, I gotta get back on defense. And uh, man, I, I just <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what I was thinking. I think my mind just went blank after he hit that shot. Four seconds to go. They have a timeout. Right down by two. Scoops it up. No. The clock ticked down to zero. Butler launched the ball into the rafters, and there is no evidence that it has ever come down. The Mountaineers had won the Big East Championship. Q Country Roads. Well, the commissioner, the, the, somebody said the commissioner wants to talk to you, and so I walked over, you know, and then you wonder, what, what do we do wrong now? And and uh, he said, uh, you think uh, people would be upset if we played country roads? And I said, they might fire you if you don't. And and he kind of laughed, and, and they started playing country roads. But it was more than, than country roads. It was looking around Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena in the world, in the largest city in the world, and seeing a ring of gold. And there was a ring of gold of of our fans, you know, standing there singing country roads. And I think that's what got to me more than, than, than the song. It was watching those people stand there, tears in their eyes, you know, singing country roads. Butler was named the Big East tournament's best player and rightly so. He hit two game winning shots and led the Mountaineers in scoring in each of the three games of the tournament. Assistant coach, Billy Hahn, he was definitely the go-to guy. There was never a doubt who the go-to guy was going to be. And what's great about it was he accepted that role and wanted to be the go-to guy. And the most important thing is the other players accepted the fact that he was the go-to guy. So when you have that, that's a pretty unique situation. And that's exactly what happened with Deshaun being the leader and the go-to guy of that basketball team? Well, we knew what to do, <laughs> um, you know, get number one the ball. Uh, it is kind of odd that we always had the ball at that time, right, at, you know, last few seconds of the game. and um, But, you know, long story short, it didn't seem like the team knew that we were trying to get the ball Deshaun. Um, you know, regardless, uh, I'm glad that they didn't because uh, it led to some pretty uh, great memories. And, uh, and some awesome experiences for us um, because we would have never been able to do a lot of the things that, we've, that we did without, um, without Deshaun stepping up like he did. It was his sixth game winner of the season, despite everyone that night, on the court and off of it, knowing that the ball was coming his way, he still made it happen. Like, I love that. This is what I always wanted to do, <laughs> like, as a kid. Like, yeah, I'll sit in the backyard and do this. Like a hundred shots, I'm sitting there like three, two, one, miss it. Oh, he got the rebound and it just keeps playing. Like I did all that stuff when I was young, and I always wanted to have the opportunity to get those kind of shots and make those kind of shots. And I never really got those opportunities in elementary school because I wasn't the best player in the team, and I wasn't the best player on my team in high school. And once I got to college, I definitely wasn't the best player in the team. And then it just took a long time to get to those points and. When I got to it, it was pretty cool. Like, I, like you can literally uh, you watch your dream come true, basically. Like, it was, it was a lot of fun. 
there was no final stages. Give the ball to Deshaun and let him go. That's that's what, he bailed us out a lot that year, like a lot. I want to see at least five times, at least. It was three times in the Big East tournament. Looking for number one, that, that ball, every, we all know. Everybody knows that ball going to number one. We knew that uh, if we kept close in the game, that somehow he was going to make the right winning plays to help us uh, win a lot of games. And that's what he did. So just seeing that and being in that moment, it didn't surprise me. Of course, it was always exciting. And uh, you you never know because, you know, 50% chance to miss, 50% chance to make it. So you never know. But I always had that confidence in Deshaun that even if he missed the shot, that we we had our best chance giving him the ball. So that was the best that we could do. And um, so I wasn't surprised at all. In Madison Square Garden, the Mountaineers were emotional. Tears in their eyes, smiles on their faces, and Big East champions hats on their heads. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home, country roads. John Denver's words rang out from the speakers as Butler embraced Huggins. The scenes that cameras captured from that night are truly unforgettable. Following the hug, the coach spoke with ESPN's Doris Burke. Coach, congratulations. You won a lot of championships in a lot of different conferences, but it's Saturday night in New York in the Big East. Characterize what this mean wins this win means to you. Well, this is very special for me because it's West Virginia. And, uh, these guys are unbelievable. I mean, we we continue to compete and fight and rebound the ball and do things that probably we shouldn't be able to do, but we do anyway. You had so many guys do so many things. Wellington Smith, Joe Missoula. But yet again, the butler delivers. I'll ask you again, what allows this young man to continue to shine in the toughest moments? It's like I told you last time. Whoever didn't know the ball's going to be in his hands hasn't watched us. We're going to give him the ball and let him make a play. Can you describe the job that Wellington Smith did defensively? Everybody's going to want to talk about his points and his rebounds, but describe the effort he gave you defensively. We did. He kept the ball alive so many times for us. When we were struggling to score, he rebounded the ball for us and did a great job guarding their bigs. Congratulations, Coach. Thank you, Doris. The next morning, the New York papers had headlines that read, Mountaintop. Best Virginia, Mountaineers are kings of the hill, and Metro-Nears win. That night will forever go down in Mountaineer history. It was, it was crazy. It was, it was amazing, to be honest, for, especially for me because I'm home. Like, I'm home in front of my friends and family, and this is the first one in school history, and, like, it was just, it was historic, literally. Weird to hear country roads? Yeah, weird, weird. It was definitely weird because I... I don't know. I'm probably on dance with Jay-Z, but when that Country Rose came on, I felt like, all right, let's get back to West Virginia now. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest part was listening to Country Roads. And, you know, we had always had a strong connection with New York, New York City. I felt like every time we were in New York City that we had just as much crowd as, as the team we were playing. So there was a great connection there. And um, to just hear Country Roads win a Big East championship at the Madison Square Garden is just what it's all about, really. And it kind of hit you. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the 30 for 30 on the Big East. Like, when you're watching that and then you're able to say, like, hey, we won one of the last Big East championships um, of that tenure, I thought that was, like, that was awesome.
Coach Huggins was crying. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's like, is he crying? <laughs> and I didn't really grasp that at first. And then, uh, you know, um, the people that are like family in a sense to the uh, to the program, you know, Drew Payne and, you know, Greg Darby, these guys are there and everybody's like in tears and they're singing. And I'm kind of like, well, I got to, I, I caught on really quickly then. I'm like, I understand. Like, we had our, we almost we almost had the entire state there in New York. Um, it was it was amazing. It was a great feeling. Uh, it was especially for the uh, for the people of West Virginia, like just being able to to do a little bit of something for you know a state that has done a ton for me. So like I was happy to be a part of it. And after the game, the Mountaineers moved their on-court celebration just across the street to a nearby bar. They must have felt like they were on top of the world. But after that was the the best time. It was just basically tore down Manhattan from club to club and bar to bar and just dancing on bars and all types of stuff. And, you know, the the people of New York, like the bar owners, they really embraced this. And they just let us do whatever we wanted, basically. So it was was crazy. I got fucking trashed. Like, we went to... uh... It was a it was a bunch of the upperclassmen at least. We went to like this bar that was like I think it was like across the street, and um, there was no food in there at all. And we were we, like, no one really cared. We just went there where we drank for a long time. And then someone found like a pizza place around the corner. And then they left the bar, came back with like ten boxes of pizza, and then came in and the guy let the guys in with the pizza. It was like a whole ordeal, but it was like the best night I probably had in. Uh, New York and college by far. Like it was like not even close. To experience everything that West Virginia did during that Big East tournament run, they also had to experience that crushing defeat at UConn nearly a month earlier. Now it seems so irrelevant. But that loss, that gut check, and that speech led them to six straight wins and the program's first ever Big East Conference Tournament Championship. I remember the number one thing was hearing all the fans singing Country Roads in Madison Square Garden. Now, I'll tell you what, if that didn't choke you up, then you, you, you're not a West Virginian and you don't love the Mountaineers because I want to tell you something. That brought hair to your hair standing up, man, on your arms to listen to West Virginia singing Country Roads, all the fans and everybody singing the Country Roads in Madison Square Garden. That was a very special night. And then Country Roads was played at a pretty close neighborhood bar that we were staying at. Had about 20 different versions of Country Road being played. And most of West Virginia fans carried over to this bar. And I remember like 30 different types of West Virginia Country Roads coming on the jukebox and everybody singing Country Roads the whole night drinking a few cold beverages, which was a pretty good time as well. You know, it felt it kind of, we accomplished exactly what Hugs was talking about in giving people what they deserve, giving the people of West Virginia what they deserve, and just reflecting who they are as a state and the people and, and allowing that to, to show and, and how we play. And this is what comes from that when you do. When we begin our next episode, we'll jump straight into WVU's NCAA tournament run. Join us again next time. Thanks for listening to the show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Final Forecast 
or call us at 304-807-9098.